This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, everybody? Welcome into episode 21 of Press Pass. And yes, we are both allowed to drink at our age. It is Kayla Anderson joined <laughs> by the one, the only, Gabriella Giovanni. What's up? Hey, we are legal. We are legal. I am way <laughs> over the drinking age. You are just a few years over it, but that's for another time and place. Um, how was your weekend of watching more March Madness? I feel like this is just like such a great month. Oh, it's like running my life right now and I'm love it I can't I mean we'll get to it obviously later but I'm just amazed at how great the Elite Eight was it basically just threw March Madness out the window and it was everything that you would have yeah everything that you would have predicted to happen didn't and it's great (laughs) and that makes us uh pop into our winners of the week and we're going to be pretty quick on these because this is a really special episode we're doing things a little bit different this week we're not going to have uh, really a guest that we're going to be giving their backstory and, and that t- type of thing. We're going to have two guests on that are actually breaking down March Madness so far and getting into the final four a little more. So it's b- going to be a little bit more X's and O's, but I encourage people out there, even if you're not huge sports fans, to still listen because you can learn a lot from this podcast. Then you can go into your office and, and brag about you know <laughs> how you're going to predict the final four. So, uh, right. and the national championship winner. So just, you know, tune in. It's something different. <laughs> so my winner of the week, Ella, is definitely, mm-hmm. and you shouldn't be surprised because I'm staying in the SEC because I know it well, is Auburn. I mean, this is a team that mm-hmm. hot momentum. I watched them in that SEC championship game completely dominate Tennessee. And they have continued to play with that tenacity and no fear attitude throughout this whole tournament. So they are definitely my winners of the week. I agree. I just like the grit of that team. There's a yeah. lot of heart, especially yeah. after, you know, losing their star player during yep. the tournament. So I love it. I'm excited to see what they do in the final four. My winner of the week is Carson Edwards oh, from Purdue. What a player. What a player. He was making a name for himself all through the tournament, but then on Saturday night against Virginia, he really he really put his name out there. I mean, athletes were tweeting at him. Very famous athletes were tweeting at him because his performance was, I mean, your jaw just dropped and stayed open the whole game. 42 points. 10 of those were three pointers. He obviously lost to Virginia, but in my opinion, Virginia beat Carson Edwards. They didn't beat Purdue because he carried that team. And I even like just watching him through the tournament. He just seems like a team player. You know, there's videos of him telling guys to calm down, to you know, he's always very even keeled and just played his game. And his game was just unbelievable on Saturday. Yeah, he actually made this year my AP first team. Uh, I just think that like you had mentioned, his demeanor 
as, as a leader and just staying calm in all those crazy moments, especially for this Purdue team that really, I don't think a lot of people have them going that far. No, Um, I just think that he's phenomenal. So good, good pick for winner of the week. Um, we're going to keep this part short and simple because we've got so much to get to when it comes to breaking down the tournament so far. And so Ella, why don't you do us the honors of introducing our first guest for the day? Introducing college basketball editor and NBA assignment editor for SB Nation and the co-host of a fellow Blue Wire podcast, Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. Ricky O'Donnell, thanks for coming on and talking some March Madness with us today. <laughs> Wait, is that supposed to happen? That is so... I was like, <laughs> is this his introduction? I was like, does he have an intro song? I thought... Yeah, I was like, I think they, <laughs> I'm like, is, oh my no. God. I was like, is this your walkout song? Like, this is. I thought you guys did that and was really impressed. But. Like something, like we need one of yeah, these. That, that was great. That was great. Oh my God. That is hilarious. Well, bringing it back in. What a crazy Elite Eight portion of the tournament. There was a lot of complaints that. The first and second rounds are so boring, but I think the Elite Eight made up for that. Yeah, totally. That was something that uh, we were writing about at SB Nation throughout this tournament is that, you know, a byproduct of the first weekend being all chalk, uh, no big upsets, no buzzer beaters, no true Cinderella, was that the second weekend of the tournament was going to be awesome. And I think we saw that uh, immediately in the Sweet 16. And then the Elite Eight was just totally bonkers. I mean, the Purdue-Virginia game is one of the better college basketball games in the NCAA tournament I've ever seen, especially given the stakes. And then you followed up Sunday with an overtime classic between Auburn and Kentucky. And then, you know, Duke finally being unable to escape in crunch time against Michigan State, Michigan State being able to do what UCF and Virginia Tech couldn't do before them by finishing off Duke. So uh, just a tremendous weekend of college basketball. And it's been a really fun tournament so far. Yeah, let's dive into the Duke topic a little bit more. You know, number one overall seed in the tournament. And I I personally saw some cracks in their armor, uh, you know, coming into this tournament just throughout the tournament. Did it surprise you at all that Duke went down? Uh, to some extent, yes. Duke was my preseason pick to win the national championship, despite the fact that I think they were only like number five in the polls in the preseason. Uh, I was at the first game of the year when they played Kentucky in Indianapolis for the Champions Classic. Duke was actually a one point underdog in that game. Kentucky was ranked (laughs) higher in the polls and Duke won by 34 points. It was the biggest loss of John Calipari's career at any level. Uh, So, you know, from that moment on, I felt like Duke was obviously the best team in the country, and that's because they might have had the greatest college basketball player ever in Zion Williamson. Uh, For all the media attention he got, it almost still didn't capture how truly dominant he was statistically. Uh, You know, the the analytics matched the highlights in terms of how good Zion was. So uh, I thought that as long as Duke played through Zion, that they were by far the best team in the country. Well, the problem is they really didn't do it for most of the year. You saw R.J. Barrett take over in crunch time. He took the last two shots for Duke against Michigan State. Then he got the ball again and was fouled, missed a free throw that could have sent the game to overtime. Uh, It's something that had been happening all year. When Duke lost to Gonzaga in November at the title game of the Maui Invitational, Barrett took the last five shots of the game and missed all of them, and Duke lost to 
to Gonzaga. So I think the fact that they didn't really play through Zion enough the way they should have throughout the year led me to think that they would be vulnerable. We saw it in the, you know, in the round of 32 and the sweet 16 against Virginia tech and UCF Duke was still able to win. That couldn't happen against a good Michigan state team. And, uh, for Coach K, just a massive failure. The best player he'll ever coach is Zion Williamson, and to not even make the Final Four, I think, is a pretty big disappointment. Yeah, the towel over his head. I mean, you could totally tell. I, he was just like, you know, this is the end of the road, and it sucks. <laughs> yeah, and B- Barrett's a good player, too. I mean, he might be the second pick in the NBA draft, but it's seriously wild that Barrett averaged five more field goal attempts per game than Zion did. I mean, uh, their true shooting percentages, I just wrote about this so I know the numbers, Barrett was 53% and Zion was 70%. So one guy was a little bit below average and the other guy was historically great. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, Coach K and Duke in particular sort of treated Williamson and Barrett as equals, which uh, to anyone with a discerning eye for basketball, it just obviously wasn't the case. Zion is so clearly the superior player. To me, he's, he's the best college player I've ever seen. So... Uh, you know, to f- to come up short, not even make the Final Four with that uh, with that on your team is is a pretty big disappointment. Yeah, so the Final Four will be played without Zion Williamson, and there's so much talk about how that's not what you know the media wanted or CBS wanted. D- does that kind of make it a little more lackluster to watch? You you don't have that that big name to. To, to watch in the final four well i can only speak for myself i'm actually covering the final four so i'm going to minnesota oh, wow. uh, this weekend which is going to be dope and yeah. i'm pretty disappointed zion's not going to be there i like now like i still want to go but i don't want to go as badly because <laughs> the field while it's going to be fun in the teams that made it absolutely deserve to make it uh just like the big overwhelming storylines that are going to get er- the rest of america to care just aren't there so like this Auburn team's really good, but but what's the narrative hook with Auburn? Michigan State is a team that the last two years had much better on paper talent than this team. I mean, they had two lottery picks last year in Miles Bridges and Jaron Jackson Jr. couldn't make it past Syracuse in the round of thirty-two. Now this year they somehow beat Duke and they're in the Final Four. Uh, Virginia is a team that, while they are as statistically impressive as any program in college basketball over the last six years. They just play such a slow, boring style that I don't think they're really going to captivate uh, a big audience. So just and then you have Texas Tech, which is a team that totally gets it done with defense. They're number one in defense in the country by far. And then offensively, they play kind of slow and not too exciting. So uh, to me, it is a bummer. I'm not scared to say it. I think that it would have been a lot more fun if we would have had Gonzaga versus Duke, which to me were the two best teams all year. If that would have been the final four matchup, that would have been a lot better. But Uh, With that being said, I mean, Auburn, Michigan State, Texas Tech, Virginia, they deserve all the credit in the world for making it to Minneapolis. And it's still going to be a really fun last weekend of college basketball. Certainly. And you talked about Texas Tech and Auburn. They're both making their first ever appearances in the Final Four, which is a great story. But let's start with Texas Tech. An article you wrote before their Elite Eight matchup against Gonzaga was titled, Texas Tech's brutal brand of basketball is thriving in March Madness. You said, quote, to Coach Beard, basketball should be a game defined by pain and suffering. It's an approach that has carried his Red Raiders all the way to the Elite Eight for a second year in a row. Well, it's now carried them to the Final Four. So kind of explain this brutal brand and how Texas Tech will channel it to the end. Is it that chippy defense? 
Yeah, alliteration is all I have as a headline writer, so I had to go with that. But... <laughs> no, I like it. I like it. Yeah. Uh, basically, Texas Tech, it's a pretty crazy story. Like Texas Tech had never been to the Elite Eight before last season, uh, that w- which was Chris Beard's second season as the coach. So they go to the Elite Eight last year. They lose five of their top six starters. That team was never supposed to be any good in the first place. Uh, They had a senior point guard last year named Keenan Evans, who basically did everything for him. They also had a three-star recruit, a freshman named Zaire Smith, who somehow became a lottery pick. So they lose both those guys. They lose five of their six top scorers. You're thinking, well, Texas Tech is obviously going to take a big step back. Instead, they go from top five in the country defensively to number one overall. This was just a historically great defense in every way. And then they have another young player totally exceed expectations in Jarrett Culver. Jarrett Culver is, to me, the second best prospect in the NBA draft behind Zion. Uh, I know that R.J. Barrett and John Morant in particular get a lot more attention, but I'll take Culver. He's such a complete player. He's huge. He's really smart. He plays both ends of the floor. Uh, So basically, the way Texas Tech did it was they had an offensive superstar in Culver. They ran the entire system around him. They surrounded him with shooters. You saw uh, Moretti and Matt Mooney both be able to knock down big shots late in the NCAA tournament. And then their defense is just ridiculous. I mean, they totally shut down a Michigan team that had so many weapons uh, in the Sweet 16. And then Gonzaga was the number one ranked offense in the country, and Texas Tech basically put him in a straitjacket. So. Yeah. Uh, I love this Texas Tech team. It's not fun to watch. I mean, they will ruin <laughs> basketball on every conceivable level of entertainment, but it's really effective. And I think that, uh, you know, they're a viable threat to win it all in Minneapolis. Well, let's go over to the other matchup. And I was able to watch a lot of SEC basketball this season being in Tennessee. Um, Auburn is obviously a team that has really gone through some ups and downs in the regular season, but they carried some momentum in that SEC championship when they won against Tennessee. Now, fast forwarding, going up against Virginia, what should we expect to see from this matchup? You know, Auburn fought tooth and nail in overtime to beat Coach Cal in Kentucky, a coach who you see every year running his way through the tournament. Did their experience against the Wildcats perhaps set them up for success in the Final Four and beyond? Auburn's unbelievable. Like, they just took out Kansas, North Carolina, and Kentucky to reach the Final Four. And when I was doing my Elite Eight or my Final Four power rankings this morning on SB Nation, I still had them last just because by all the metrics, they are the worst team in the field. They're still on the Kempom rankings, number 11 overall in college basketball, uh, while as the other four teams are all in the top five, I think. But uh, basically, Auburn does not have a lot of talent. I haven't looked this up, but I think they only have one or two top 100 recruits on the entire roster. Uh, Chuma Okiki, who is their best player, suffers a devastating knee oh, injury uh, against North Carolina. Just absolutely heartbreaking. He was having the game of his life. To me, he was going to be a first-round draft pick if he would have came out. Uh, reminds me a little bit of Robert Covington on the Sixers. I think that he just would have been mm-hmm. a great fit in the modern NBA Uh, playing the game of his life against Carolina, and he goes down. What was really impressive about that UNC win to me was that North Carolina is the team that is known for playing so fast. They played at the fastest tempo of any power conference team in college basketball. Most teams, when you play Carolina, you try to like slow down the pace. (laughs) Auburn didn't do that. Auburn ran with them, beat them at their own game. So that leads me to believe that Auburn can totally win this whole thing. I mean, they have the type of style that is versatile enough to win either 
you know, playing up-tempo or sort of playing inside through their big men. It's because they have great guards. Jared Harper and Bryce Brown were both unbelievable against Kentucky. I think they went scoreless in the first eight minutes. And then I don't know if Bryce Brown missed a shot in the second half. He was absolutely on fire. Harper is just unreal. He's about five foot ten. He's so little. Yeah. yeah. He's, a, he's a munchkin. He should have no chance against these <laughs> right. big blue blood opponents. And yeah. somehow he's hitting floaters. He's getting knocked over and still getting back up to hit shots. Just unreal. And then their big men are all like six seven or six eight. They're short, but they're just strong and tough. Uh, and they rebound and defend. So I really like Auburn. What they did to make the Final Four, it's it's honestly mind-blowing to beat Kansas, Carolina, and Kentucky. Yep, it absolutely is. It's a fun, it is a fun storyline as much as, like you said, they're not one of the, the big names that you expected to, to be in it. It's, it's a fun one to watch. Absolutely. Okay, Ricky, we have to get a prediction then. Yes. Who are the, who are the two teams that survive? Oh, God, I have no idea. I think it's totally wide open. So that's the fun thing about this Final Four. I really think that all four teams have a chance. I've been hating on Michigan State all year, so I got to keep hating on them. I'm going to go with Texas Tech uh, in that first game. And then Auburn, Virginia. uh, I'll I'll go Virginia over Auburn, and I guess I'll take Virginia over Texas Tech. Wow. Wow. Okay, so Tony Bennett. Tony Bennett, finally, all his hard work pays off and gets a, a natty, huh? Yeah, like the way to think about this is like, remember Villanova a couple of years ago, they were yeah. the team that couldn't get the monkey off their back. They were the team that headed right. into March every year with the number one or number You're two right. seed only get upset. Well, now you look back and Villanova's got two of the last three national championships. Mm-hmm. So uh, I feel like anytime you have a single elimination tournament like the NCAA tournament, it's just so random in March, especially when you're playing with 18 and 19 year olds. Uh, that just like getting to this level is just such a big accomplishment. And at this point, uh, you know, Virginia, they're top, they're the only team that's top five in both offensive and defensive efficiency. They have three studs on the perimeter with Ty Jerome, Kyle Guy, DeAndre Hunter. Kyle Guy was phenomenal in matching uh, Carson Edwards every shot against Purdue in the Elite Eight. So uh, I think Virginia's got the most balance of any team left. I think that they have the best coach, they have the best guard play with Jerome and Guy. Uh, so, so I'll go Virginia, but I really do think it's wide open. Awesome. Well, you know, we, we really appreciate you coming on. Your insight is fabulous. And Ricky, where can people go to follow you and find your podcast cash considerations? Yeah, you can read all my work at SBNation.com covering college basketball and a little bit of the NBA. And then I do a Bulls podcast too on Blue Wire called Cash Considerations, which you can find anywhere you get your podcasts. Shout out to Blue Wire. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Well, thanks, Ricky, so much for coming on. Cool. Thanks for giving me my own intro song, and thanks for having me. (laughs) Right. (laughs) See you later, Ricky. Thanks. All right, guys, we've got an announcement to make. Blue Wire is teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. You get all of that for just $3 shipped right to your door. Enough with the cheap razors. It's totally worth trying Harry's. Harry's has fixed shaving by combining a simple clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. 
Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's brought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your free trial offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. All of Harry's Blades comes with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your razor for just $3. All right, well, we wanted to bring in another guest to gain a different perspective in all of this March Madness before heading into the final four. So next up to talk a little bit more of the NCAA tournament, please welcome Washington Nationals beat reporter and the voice of GW men's basketball, Byron Kerr. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for having me, Gabrielle and Kayla. Well, first and foremost, Byron, a UVA grad. So journalist hat off, <laughs> hat off for a second. Yeah. What's it like having your alma mater headed to the Final Four and the way they did it to punch their ticket? That was a really good game. Yes, uh, it was ridiculous. I had to apologize to my wife, Lisa, and my daughter <laughs> and uh, our neighbor who was watching the game with us because I was screaming the dogs. I had to apologize to the dogs today. <laughs> Um, because uh, that last sequence where they scored the two-pointer oh, from Mamadi Diakite and tied the game to send it in overtime, I mean, I, I just could not believe it. So, uh, <laughs> you know, they were, they were in trouble, obviously, with that made free throw to go down by four. Sure. And uh, for them to find a way uh, to, to, to tie that game and to win that game, it was, it was uh, one of the more memorable moments, as you could imagine, if your alma mater was able to pull something like that off. So it was great. Byron, I have beef with you because this is a wound that has never healed, but you guys took okay. Tony Bennett from us. Uh, I went to Washington State. Cougars, I, yes. I am, and I was actually there when Dick was the coach and Tony was the assistant. And wow. Then, yeah, and then Tony took so over. So you're really old. I am very old, but you would never yeah. know it by looking at okay. me. Okay, okay, good. <laughs> I still think I'm in my 20s, but no, I I love Tony Bennett. I have really I've really looked forward to this moment where he gets right. past the hump and you know getting to the final four. So putting that journalist hat back on, what adjustments mm-hmm. does UVA need to make in order to take on an Auburn team that is absolutely on fire right now? Yeah, I mean, I, watching uh, them defeat Kentucky, a team that they had lost to before and and had never had great luck against them in any tournaments. Uh, really showed to me what kind of team they are. Obviously, without Chuma Okiki, mm-hmm. uh, one of their star players out with the ACL. I mean, they that is what scares you is they seem like they're on a team that's on a mission right now. They're very athletic, and I, and I think that Jared Harper and Bryce Brown, the two guards, really lead the way for Bruce Pearl. And uh, that's something that they that the Cavaliers are going to have to worry about because the whole idea behind the pack line defense, as you know, is to force a team to shoot three-pointers. Well, uh, Auburn's averaging over 14 three-pointers per game in the tournament. So that's insane numbers. And we saw what Carson Edwards of Purdue could do. Uh, right. It didn't matter where he shot three-pointers. He made them all for Purdue. So that's something I think that that Tony Bennett and his coaching staff are focusing on is to try to contain or at least slow down Harper and Brown because mm-hmm. those guys really took it to the Kentucky backcourt. You saw all the steals at the end of that game to control that. And you know that Tony Bennett's team, the way he's the yeah. way he likes to coach is they're not going to run. They're not going to yeah. run. 
They're going to slow everything down. Auburn wants to run, so that'll be what we'll see in that game on Saturday night. Well, an advantage they definitely have is time. They have a little more time to prepare for this matchup, which you don't really have that type of preparation when you're making your way through the tournament. Um, What kind of threats then on the other side does UVA pose to Auburn? Kyle Guy played an incredible game against Purdue, but their three-point shooting as a team struggled immensely. I think what was impressive was their offensive rebounding. Um, but but what what do you think UVA really does that's going to be difficult for Auburn? Yeah, I mean, Auburn has never seen a defensive team like Virginia. There's no one that mm-hmm. plays that kind of defense. And Mamadi Diakite did such a nice job against the bigs for Purdue Anytime he even tried the seven foot three harms on him, he still was able to get him, you know, six out of ten times, even though harms got his points. DeAndre Hunter was interesting at the end of that game is is Tony Bennett really rolled the dice by taking him out because they couldn't find anybody to guard Carson right. Edwards. Right. And they took him out for a little while, but he's key defensively. I think Ty Jerome will do a nice job defensively. Kyle Guy can be overwhelmed sometimes, so they'll have to be careful on, on how they decide which guard he will go after. And Kihei, as you know, Kihei Clark is 5'9", 155, and he has a lot of speed, but also physically Carson Edwards was able to take care of him. So that's something that Harper and Brown might be able to take advantage of on Virginia. So you're right. I thought that's a very key point. I thought offensive rebounding was so key in that game because Purdue didn't get many second chances. And when they did, they took the lead. So Auburn's rebounding will be very, very important. Without Okiki, who averages seven rebounds a game, they're going to need some other guys to come yeah. up, like Horace Spencer, who did not score in that game against Kentucky. He's 6'8", 225. He will be critical for them to get some rebounding and try to set the tone that way. Penetrate against Virginia with their guards, then kick it out for the three-pointers, but try to get second-chance points, which is what Virginia tries to make sure that doesn't happen to you. Well, on the other side, (laughs) we have Texas Tech and Michigan State. I don't know if many people saw at least Texas Tech getting this far. Uh, You know, with Izzo, I think sometimes that's always a chance that he gets his his teams there because it's Izzo and he's a great head coach. But what do you expect to see from this game? Uh, Two very different teams. Yeah, you know, Texas Tech almost lost to New Mexico State. New Mexico State had a couple of chances at the end of that game to win it in the first round, and they blew it. And then they started to really roll after that. And the way that they were able to defeat Gonzaga, I mean, no other team besides Duke had even been able to get close to them like that. St. Mary's certainly won the conference tournament, but I liked the way uh, they were actually defensively able to slow a team down like Gonzaga to hold them to – only 69 points is ridiculous. I really like Tariq Owens, a 6'10 senior who's very, very long, great rebounder. Jarrett Culver, who's one of their leading scorers, the leading scorer at 6'5. He can also rebound. Yep. Uh, these guys are all transfers. Matt Mooney is a guy that's a transfer that came in from South Dakota, has made a big difference. And David Moretti from Italy ah, is, is a difference maker as well for Chris Beard. So that's what scares you about Texas Tech is that Michigan State's game planning for a team that, you know, as you just said, they're they're surprised that they're there Mm -hmm. and they're going to take them very seriously. But for the Red Raiders to have a chance in this game, again, they're going to have to try to be more athletic than Michigan State, try to run up and down the floor and use that as an advantage because they're long, but I don't know if they have Mm -hmm. the patience 
to be able to play a half-court game against Michigan State, which obviously showed that they can do it against anybody, especially against Duke. And Michigan State, you know, I think sometimes Cassius Winston has been phenomenal. I think sometimes there's been so many other big-time players this year that he hasn't gotten a lot of love, but you've seen what he's able to do in games. Yeah, I mean, you've seen it in the Big Ten Network, what he's been able to do for this whole year and being the player of the year. And, and uh, you know, he could be he could be the Naismith winner for the player of the year all over because of what he can do with, you know, 19 points a game and, and um, be a consistent shooter. He can shoot from the outside. He can drive the basketball. He's very, very tough. I mean, this is a vintage Tom Izzo type guard. Yeah. Right. What, what Winston's able to do. And, and, uh, you know, Kenny Goins hitting that huge three pointer, oh. a guy that maybe you wouldn't expect that uh, from them, you know, if they can get some open looks from the outside, that will open up the inside play and, and get Xavier Tillman a chance to get something going inside as well. So they've got a lot of different ways to beat you. But, they do. you know, the reason these teams, all four of these teams are in the final four is because of their defense. And, and mm-hmm. you know, they can all play defense when they need to. Uh, they can get steals and breakaway layups. And so that's what I'm going to watch is how – how is Texas Tech going to find a way to score against Michigan State? That will be a big test for them uh, Saturday night. Well, you talk about these four teams. What I love about this Final Four is that it goes against the status quo. You don't have the Duke, the Kentucky, the UNC type of teams sitting there. What team in the Final Four surprises you the most that they made it this far? Because I think most people are pretty surprised in, in these four teams left. Great, great question because, uh, you know, you think about the Blue Bloods, as you said, and, and I, I know Virginia is the only one seed, but they're not really considered, you know, over no. the years. I've known for how, how many times <laughs> that they've had a chance to get yeah. this far and never did. But I think uh, to answer your question is Auburn because of what they went through. You know, in midseason, they lost five of eight. Yep. They had a chance for things to really spiral out of control. And you know, people say a lot of bad things about Bruce Pearl and how he makes back alley deals and all this other stuff. But uh, he does a great job on the floor of coaching these yeah. guys. And you see how emotional he is. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, there could, there's got to be some memes and some gifts of him and his facial expressions during the game. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. And obviously losing Chuma Okiki makes me give them the surprise vote for making the Final Four because mm-hmm. at 6'8", 230 pounds, he was – you know, the guy that could do everything for them. And yet they found a way to beat Kentucky, which has just like Duke seems like five, five stars on the floor. All the guys are, are, are one and done. It seems like all the time for Calipari. So, and they had faced him so many times in the Southeastern conference that Kentucky knew what Auburn was going to do. And yet they even couldn't outlast them with all the foul trouble Auburn got into in that game, their guards, Harper and Brown found a, a way to will that win and, uh, you know, I think it's because of Bruce Pearl and the way that he gets these kids to buy into the system they want to play. And they are absolutely ferocious. And it'll be a really big test for Virginia uh, to try to, not, try to not play Auburn's game, which is what they want you to do, which is frenetic and running and all this and, and creating havoc like a VCU used to do all those years. Mm-hmm. If Virginia's got to play their half court style, they got to play solid pack line defense, or Auburn's going to go all the way. So Auburn is the team that I think is the most surprising to me. Well, people are upset—not upset, but just think it kind of lost the the fun by not having those. Um, 
heavily favored teams to make the final four. I kind of have the opposite opinion. I think it's fun to see, okay, well then who can win this? They obviously did what they had to do to get to this point. So I think it's exciting to see kind of new dogs in the fight. And it's not, you know, the, the, the typical teams that we're used to seeing year after year. Yes, absolutely. I mean, everybody wanted to see Zion Williamson and Duke sure. go all the way because, you know, obviously Zion's story is amazing. And he's, he's a player that is like once every 30 years, a player like this comes along and he's going to be an NBA star uh, next year. So that from that, story, that standpoint, I'm kind of sad to not see him in the Final Four because, you know, I'd love to see, see that opportunity to, to play a, a chance at a championship for him, you know, with the shoe blowing out and all this other stuff going on. So you got to think that Michigan state then is the anointed team because they have won before with Tom Izzo. They have gone all the way. And because of Izzo's track record as a hall of fame coach, you know, he kind of takes over as the coach K of this, of this final four. And there's a lot of emotional stories out there with Chris Beard and what he's done to come to Texas tech. Mm -hmm. Uh, We mentioned Tony Bennett and this is his first ever final four. And, uh, you know, cracking me up when when Diakite hits that jumper and they flash to Tony Bennett and he's golf clapping on the sidelines, like barely even moving. He needs needs that sweater vest from his dad at this. point. Oh, my goodness. And thank goodness. Thank goodness. He's married because my wife wants to leave me for Tony. Bennett. He is the hottest hottest of these four coaches. Yes, yes Uh, he is. So I've been told now. So I've been told. I don't yes. know. Yes. Looks Tony, like a good looking dude to me. Tony will ever, but, um, will ever have our hearts. Okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, Bruce Pearl's an outstanding coach. So I think Michigan State kind of feels like that team, you know, that all the networks are going to go to now as, as, the, as the favorite on that side of the bracket. And, you know, because Virginia is the number one seed, you would imagine that they would be one of the favorites on the other side because Auburn is a five seed. But I just, you know. Auburn scares me because of all the things that they can do. And like you said at the beginning of this podcast, everybody kind of counted them out. Everybody kind of counted Texas Tech out, kind of counted Auburn out. A lot of people had those teams out in their first round bracket. So uh, those are always the teams that, that people assume can't do it, can't go all the way. You know, that those are the ones that scare you the most. Yeah, and you just touched on it a little bit. But I really think when I look at the Final Four, I just the first thing that comes to mind is what incredible coaching jobs done by these by these teams. I mean, that's really the thing I look at when I look at each coach and what they've done throughout the, you know, the tournament specifically. I just I think that sticks out. You know, absolutely. I mean, no one would give Chris Beard and Texas Tech an opportunity to be where they are. And for the fact that they beat the number one seed in Gonzaga, who is like the Duke or a Michigan State, a team that's anointed to go to the Final Four, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, I don't you probably remember all those documentaries of Gonzaga and how they travel. I think it was on HBO a few years ago where they, they have their private jets with the Gonzaga emblems all over the seats. And, and be, be um, careful. I'm from Spokane. Okay. So you know what I'm talking <laughs> I grew about. Up with the oh my goodness. So <laughs> they are the Duke. They feel like the Duke of the West to me in the way they travel. But, you know, Texas Tech is a big football school, too. Everybody thinks yeah. about them for football. Yeah. And certainly they've done a really, really nice job. I mean, you go to their website, and uh, the first thing you see is the coach's phone number and email. So they're not messing around with getting, <laughs> no. with getting recruits. They've got a lot of good transfers that have come in and done a nice job. Um, so, yeah, all these coaches, I mean, you know, obviously I'm biased for Tony Bennett and what he's been through. And I thought it was really interesting how he took DeAndre Hunter out of that game yeah. in the final two minutes. And, the, the, you know, the reason they lost to UMBC last year, in my opinion, was because DeAndre Hunter wasn't there. 
So for them to gamble with a one-point game and take DeAndre Gutsy. Hunter out, mm-hmm. yeah, a lot of guts for Tony Bennett there. You know, we can talk all night about the guts of Bruce Pearl and the, and he was bawling on that CBS television post game when they lost Okiki. And uh, you can't really say much more about Tom Izzo, you know, calling games here at George Washington. Obviously, they just fired the coach here, Maurice Joseph, because we had a, a really tough season. But he um, he played for Tom Izzo at Michigan State, Maurice Joseph, for two years. And mm-hmm. when when Mo got the job at GW, the first person he called was Tom Izzo. And Tom Izzo uh, said, sure, you know, he was in the middle of practices, fly up here. He went up there and Izzo spent three days with Maurice Joseph going over game tape and wow. in, and giving him advice on how to start his coaching career. I mean, I, I, you know, he only was with him for two years. So I, I just, you know, Izzo's a lifer and he's a legit uh, college basketball coach who, who uh, you know, after his players leave Michigan State, he still wants to be a part of their lives. That, that tells me a lot. Definitely. All right, Byron, predictions. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. I want to I, I hear it. Um, yeah, I mean, I really like Michigan State uh, to, to beat Texas Tech. I think they're, they're just too good. They have too many weapons. And uh, the Big Ten has, has tested them for this mm-hmm. moment because we saw so many Big Ten teams in the tournament and how far, you know, I saw Purdue, obviously, and saw how good they were against Virginia. Just give right. you an idea. And I thought Michigan would go a lot farther. So that just gives you an idea. Of, uh, I got Michigan State over Texas Tech, and and uh, obviously um, I'm biased on the other side of the bracket too. I think Virginia is going to be able to beat Auburn, but who knows what's going to happen in that if it's uh, Virginia against Michigan State on sure. Saturday night. I'm already in trouble for canceling dinner reservations with the couple across the street, so they don't uh-huh. like me. So Saturday <laughs> Saturday night's going to be tough, but uh, I, I think Virginia can beat Auburn on Saturday, and Michigan State will advance, and then. You know, I, I'm a biased person, so I, I won't tell you who I think is going to win on Monday. But uh, I think we have an idea. Yeah, I think you have an idea. This, this <laughs> is pretty okay. exciting stuff, though. This is an exciting moment for for these oh, teams, and absolutely, and I'm, I can't wait for Saturday night. Well, we really enjoy you popping on the podcast, giving your insight on everything. And hey, maybe we'll have you back on. Yes, pick a baseball season, even right? Yeah, we'll talk. You want to talk about the Washington Nationals? Uh, anytime, I can give you all the breakdown on what's going on with them they obviously had a slow start into the weekend but they finally got their first win and what's it going to be like without Bryce Harper so absolutely uh have me on if you want to talk Major League Baseball where can people go to follow you oh well thank you so much Uh, for for baseball it's at Massenker M-A-S-N-K-E-R-R and my the website that I write on is Massensports.com which is the flagship for the Nationals and I just did a story on Victor Robles who's a center fielder for the Nationals and how hard it is to come in and play center field when you haven't uh, played it ever at the major league level. Uh, so that's up on the website now. And on the basketball side, Big Ten Network and everything else with GW, that's Beaker PXP, B-K-E-R-R-P-X-P uh, on Twitter. Byron, you rock, man. Gabriella, Thanks, Kayla, thank, thank you. you so much for having me on. Thanks for coming on. on And you guys enjoy the Final Four. It's going to be crazy. You too. You enjoy it. (laughs) All right. Take care, guys. Thanks. See ya. Well, thank you so much to our two guests, Ricky and Byron. Kayla, that was kind of cool to do it that way, to talk more X's and O's. I know you and I like doing that. We obviously love the storytelling, but we love breaking it down too. And it was great to hear two different perspectives in such a monumentous time yeah. in sports right now.
No, I, I think that was great. I, I mean, just getting that kind of perspective uh, from two people who have obviously been around basketball and do this on a daily basis, it's great. I think that our listeners can pick up a whole new side of things uh, mm-hmm. having this. Because this is something we are going to start implementing probably once a month. We're going to do just breakdowns of whatever big kind of sporty events going on at the time. I just yes. I feel like it's almost – for those people who listen who don't know as much about X's and O's, it's a chance for them to listen and just say, hey, I'm going to pick up a couple tidbits and mm-hmm. um, keep this in my my memory bank so that I can kind of spit some stuff out if I'm in a conversation. Because I know like that's how I learned when I was yep. when I first got in this business. I would just listen to conversations and pick up things like that. And I was able to share that knowledge in conversation. So it, it makes you smarter, right? I was just going to say that because I like that we have two different guests because they each have, you know, diverse sets of, of knowledge and backgrounds. And I was just going to say that I learned so much just from listening to different perspectives. Mm-hmm. I think that's the most important. Obviously, you'll have maybe one media member who's your go-to and you like listening to or you like their perspectives, but it's always important to listen to many different perspectives before kind of speaking about it on your own I think absolutely well we look forward to of course the final four but then next week we're really going to transition because it goes from one thing to another in sports and that's why our jobs are never boring and that's why we love to do our jobs because we don't really have time to think of like Oh, okay, what do we need to cover? No, it just happens. And yep. <laughs> we've got the NFL draft. We're preparing for it here in Nashville. And it's coming up in just a few weeks, which is crazy to think. And Ella, I am so excited to bring in our next guest because the, it, mm-hmm. nothing comes more like this is this is firsthand from somebody who's going through the process. We're not going to say who it is yet. But um, nope. I it's think, a big one. Yeah, people. I think viewers are going to or listeners are going to enjoy this one. Yeah, I'm so excited. Anyone that knows me knows I live for the NFL draft. Yes. Like, during the offseason, me and my dad send each other mock drafts all the time. I remember last year we were going to share one of those with us in the next couple of weeks. Oh, every time a new mock draft comes up, we text it to each other. I remember last year we were walking through the grocery store one day. I was home. And I went to the grocery store with my dad. And I a mock draft was posted, so I picked it up. And I w- we were walking through, and I go, okay – the Browns are taking, I wouldn't say the name, I would say the position, and then he would guess who it was. That's awesome. I love it. We should probably, now we should get your dad on here. How funny Should we get Joey, Joey D on here? Well, I mean, even if it was just for like a little quick draft recap, I think Joey D I don't know if fabulous. he would do it. Joey D is Joey a, D has a, a personality. You just have to like. He you, does, but not a, many people get to see it. That's true. That's true. I feel like I've slowly gotten to see like Joey D's personality throughout oh the years. Um, well, we're excited to keep pushing through. Like I said, bear with us as we have kind of some of these changes happening and always give us your feedback. If you really like it, let us know. But if you don't like it, we want to know that too. Guess what? We have thick skin. We're in the broadcasting business. Bring it on. Yeah. Bring it on. Please. Um, I've heard it all. That'll do it for this episode of Press Pass. Crazy. I hope you guys uh, enjoy the first week of March, and hopefully it's getting warmer in any city that you're in, because we want sunshine. We do. And if you're listening on iTunes, please press the subscribe button, leave us a rate or review, as Kayla said, and then on Instagram and Twitter, at Press Pass Pod. 
Again, we would love to hear from you and build our communities on social media as well. All right, guys, have a great week. Recently, Total Wireless helped Charlie Michelle stage a virtual dance recital for her friends and family. This event was super meaningful to them. Because when you move to Total Wireless, you can get amazing devices on nationwide 5G. And with unlimited plans starting at $25 a month, you could save up to $1,200 a year. Thank you, Total Wireless, for helping me pull this off. Total Wireless. Do amazing. Compatible 5G device required. 5G network in limited areas. Month equals 30 days. Savings claim made when compared to four-line postpaid plans of leading carriers 10-20-20. See terms and conditions at TotalWireless.com.